0: We're here to talk about all aspects of film, good or bad, from the perspective of wannabe filmmakers. Every episode, we'll dig into a movie, a performer, a director, or whatever in an attempt to unpack themes, rank favorites, and discuss successes and failures. The goal in part, as amateur filmmakers, is to walk away with a lesson about the medium in each episode. This is the Greg and Matt movie chat. This is Greg. Hello. And I'm Matt. So let's chat. Welcome back to the Greg and Matt Movie Chat, everyone, and thank you for joining us for the season one finale. It's been a great ride so far, and to wrap up our first season, we decided to talk about one of the greatest directors of the last 30 years, Richard Linklater. In fact, 30 years is a very important part of Linklater's films, as time is a constant focus in his filmography. Dazed and Confused... Boyhood, the Before Trilogy, Linklater has basically mastered the art of the Hangout movie. But what makes Linklater such an interesting director is that he not only challenges viewers and his actors, but that he's always challenging himself. Animation, filming movies over long periods of time, Linklater has always been a favorite of Greg's, and just recently became one of my favorites too. So today, let's take a deep dive into the King of Hangout movie's career, and try to piece together what makes him one of the most influential movie directors of all time.
1: Yay! Yeah,
0: we made it! We made it through a whole season!
1: We made it! And I was just saying a second ago, before we started rolling, like, it's fitting that we're... finishing off the season with a director whose work is so reflective and like makes you look back at life and significant moments of life. And so it it fits perfectly to end on this. It really does.
0: And I just, before we even get into Link Later, I just want to touch on the fact that we've had a really great season. And thank you to all of our listeners for what are for listening. I always want to say for watching, for listening. Um, <laughs> watching with really, their ears. Watching it with their ears. <laughs> yeah. But it, it means a lot. So thank you so much. And we've talked about a lot of great things. You know, I feel like we've learned a lot. We talked about, you know, really good bad movies with the disaster artist. We talked about comedians who are underrated dramatic actors with Sandler and Vince Vaughn. I talked about the difference between TV and film acting and the difference between leading and, leading and supporting roles with Kirsten Dunst mm-hmm. you know who done it with Knives out. Great careers um, struck with a little bit of lack of opportunity and a resurgence with Michael Keaton I'm talking yep. about female directors with Lynn Shelton and the whole Mumblecore scene talked about short films by famous directors we had a halloween special for fuck's sake yeah we talked about the cohen brothers and now we're talking about hangout movies and having a good time in texas hell yeah and like cool
1: texas not scary texas like hippie
0: texas (laughs) exactly there are a couple (laughs) moments for sure yeah um there's one or two in boyhood where you're like oh okay maybe don't go to texas this summer um (laughs) but yeah no it's it's uh It definitely it kind of made me want to go to Texas in a way like, you know, obviously not now, but like when the pandemic's over, let's find McConaughey. Let's get some beer. Let's go to the bowling alley. Let's have a good time.
1: Yeah, like that, that hipster side of Texas, that like Austin, Texas thing that Linklater depicts does seem really nice and lovely and romantic and open, which is weird because nobody shows that side of the southern states, I guess. But I I suppose that's just because the other side is a little louder.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I think it's also just like the news. I think you you are able to see more bad stuff than good stuff. And they really only show it in one way sometimes. So it's kind of like, eh, yeah, you know, I, you. I,
1: I love the focus on the art scene there for sure. Exactly.
0: It definitely kind of made it be like, oh, yeah, no, like, you know, not every place is a piece of shit. There, there are good people everywhere. So, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the thing that I love about Linklater is, like you said. There's a whole art scene there, and he mm-hmm. is like a really interesting philosophical guy. If you sit down and you listen to him in an interview, I don't even think he's really... He he's he's not in my eyes he's not really a filmmaker who has really cool philosophy he's a philosopher who makes movies you know Yeah
1: and and like his yeah. his actions towards art also speak to his philosophy because like he's he's a patron of the the arts there too right like he stayed in Austin he funds projects there he brings big filmmakers to Austin to studios he's built to just like help that art scene have that community and foster more of it right like he oh, wow. he's he loves that place and he's he's created an even bigger creative you know space for everybody. It's it's just awesome. Yeah, that is cool. I didn't actually know that he did that. So that's that's pretty cool, but it doesn't surprise me. You yeah.
0: Know? He's a really cool guy. He seems honestly like you were telling me last night, you were like, he's the coolest guy ever. And I was like, honestly, this guy is like a lot of the time, he's in the same room with McConaughey and Ethan Hawke, and he's the coolest guy in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, like he is so just laid back and chill, and it's just he seems to have it like almost like all figured out. Like he, that's yeah. what he seems like. But he's also kind of winging it, and it's interesting because yeah. I feel like he's very collaborative in all of his projects and whatnot. So it's he—he's the kind of director that like. I'd love to work with, you know, if I ever had the opportunity.
1: That's true. He he loves people and he loves life clearly too and like whatever oh, it yeah. throws at at the situation, whatever life gives, he's going to just do his best through it and make sure everyone's comfortable and having a good time. He just he just seems to love the ride. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And he's yeah, he's just an interesting dude and that's the other thing that I love is that he he simultaneously is known for being a really incredible influential movie director. I also feel like he's over he's he's underrated. Cuz I don't think people you never hear people being like, well, I mean you do, but I you're more likely to hear somebody go, "Oh my god, dude, you see the new Tarantino or oh, you see the new Scorsese movie," but you never hear that many people ever go hey you see the new link later i mean i know a few people but not to the extent that you would hear somebody say like hey you see the new tarantino movie whoa yeah. you know which is
1: which is odd too because he's partially responsible for that wave of those 90s filmmakers like tarantino and robert rodriguez and kevin smith and like oh yeah the the people who are big now who are big names and have big fan bases a lot of them credit linklater and like his early movies for them even getting into film and there being a space for for weirder stuff exactly
0: Yeah, I I remember Tarantino saying, like, "Days and Confused is one of his favorite movies, and it's just, like, the greatest Hangout movie ever. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just funny. He compared it to Rio Bravo, and I'm just like, how the fuck is that a Hangout movie? It's a Western, (laughs) but I need to see it. I haven't seen it, so I can't really comment, but it's it's just funny to me. If you look up the the list of Hangout movies, it's just (laughs) Richard Linklater's filmography, and then Rio Bravo and Jackie Brown, and you're like, "Uh, the hell? All right, well... (laughs) Interesting. <laughs> I yeah. think
1: Dazed and Confused is definitely a chiller Hangout movie. Although, Real Bravo <laughs> is a pretty chill one, too. As far as cowboy movies go.
0: Yeah, but he is the master of the Hangout movie. And we'll definitely we'll dig right in um, with some of his first films. It's Impossible to Learn to Plow by Reading Books and Slacker.
1: Yeah, so It's Impossible to to Learn to Plow by Reading Books is definitely more of an experiment than uh, a movie. But I do, what I will say is like, I respect, you know, he didn't have the the best gear, but he got what he could and he made something with it. And that's kind of, that's just, I, the title kind of says it all, right? Like you, it could be, it's impossible to learn how to make a movie by reading books. You know, it's, it's kind of, it feels like that's the philosophy of it in, in the actions.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I only watched the first 15 minutes of this. And I respect it but I couldn't sit through all of it. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my mind. Like nothing is happening. And you know, it kinda sets the stage for his career, but this is like when he didn't quite have it all figured out yet, I think. Yeah. Because there are a lot of shots in this movie that are very nice to look at and you're you see them and you're like, Okay, cool, I like that. It looks nice, but also nothing is happening. And then I also looked it up about 15 minutes into the movie and it said like, there is very little dialogue. There's basically no plot progression and nothing really happens. And then I also had like a 33% of Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? There's a lot of movies to get to. I'm not going to, you know, break my head trying to, trying to sit through this whole movie. So I might as well just move on. But
1: I think um, I think I saw it yeah. years ago when I was kind of first discovering Linklater. And to me, it's 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 one of those early movies of a filmmaker where it's like it's not his real first movie yet. you know Yeah, like, yeah think exactly. I think Slacker is definitely firmly his actual first outing and trying to make a movie. And it, even though it is still like super experimental and plotless and mm-hmm. and slow. i I would i would say that's his true first film
0: i agree and you know what's funny is that i was watching because they're both on youtube pretty much like the whole Mm -hmm. movies of it's impossible to learn to plow by reading books and slacker they're both on youtube like the full movies so i remember i was watching it's impossible to learn to plow i got about 15 minutes into it and i was just like you know what not for me um but i can respect that he that he it's almost something where I'm just like, he. this guy really is just going to make a movie where nothing happens. And I'm like, he, he will do that. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I respect that. I full on respect that he's he doesn't really care about like stakes and stuff like that. It's just like, you know, life. just make it like, life. Yeah, I can appreciate that. Um, now I don't necessarily always want to watch that. Sometimes that's a bit much, but I do like that it does challenge me as a viewer. And that's the one thing that I definitely had going through this is that there were a lot of movies where I was like, it's kind of frustrating that nothing is really happening. But then I was also like, well, why does something need to happen? You know? And that was something that I appreciated.
1: I think he's definitely trying to do something that's just the opposite of what we've learned as as movie watchers, right? We learn to, we have a certain expectation of what a movie is and how a plot should go and there, there should be stakes and danger and stuff. But what he does is, and he gets better at it. These early ones are no masterpieces for sure. but mm-hmm. He gets better at showing just like the the real drama of life and that like just a conversation can feel like the end of the world, you know, or like the beginning of a new world, even though yeah. it's not, you know, nobody's robbing a bank or anything, although in some of his movies they do. But that's, that's <laughs> we'll get to that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I definitely really appreciated that. And I think coming out of this, I, I have a different view on what a movie should be, which I think is more uh impactful and in fact i think this might be this is definitely without a doubt one of our best um binges in terms of the podcast episode i know yeah. the Cohen brothers was pretty much like almost right there as well
1: yeah both of both of those were just sheer quality through and through
0: yeah but i will say i think this one i think honestly link later might have done it for me a little bit better than the Cohen brothers did because the Cohen brothers they have a couple movies where you you can see it and you can be like, this is objectively not very good. Like, mm-hmm. the Lady Killers, not great, objectively. But you can sit down and maybe get some enjoyment out of this. Now, with link later i might sit down and watch it's impossible to learn to plow by reading books and not really love it but objectively it's not really bad and it's also interesting and the reason i don't like it is more subjectivity than objectivity and it might just be that it's not really for me you know i I feel like that
1: about so much of his stuff where if it doesn't stick for me it's not just it's it's not that it's bad it's just like that doesn't that is not my style like that that's yeah. not for me, but it's for yeah. someone and someone might get a hell of a lot out of it.
0: Yeah. And that's the other thing, too, is that maybe it's just it maybe it is for you, but it's not for you right now. That's you know? true, too. You know, maybe in 15 years, you'll come back to Slacker and be like, this is the best movie I've ever fucking seen. Mm-hmm. But right now you're
1: kind of like me. It's all right. Um, Yeah, I definitely have a lot of respect for Slacker and and how much it influenced and shaped a generation of filmmakers. We we are just so far removed from that generation. Like the stuff that shapes that has shaped and inspired us is going to be very different. But it's, it's awesome that it exists. And I'm happy it exists.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. That happens a lot with movies. I think too, when you don't see them like right when they come out, it's kind of hard to really connect to them. Yeah, or if you don't, if you see them, it's just years after. Like I watched um Easy Rider a while back with with uh, Dennis Hopper and Peter Fonda. I think it's yeah. Peter Fonda, right? Yeah. Peter?
1: Bo- boomers love it.
0: Boomers love it. Yeah,
1: they're like, that's the greatest movie ever. Like, oh my yeah. god.
0: And it's funny because if you, if you grew up in that generation, I'm sure like politically that had a lot of stuff going for it. Mm-hmm. But when you watch it in 2020, it's two guys on motorcycles going to Mardi Gras for an yeah. hour and a half and you're just like, cool. It, it doesn't
1: hit us as hard as it might hit them. good Because yeah. just the cultural moment was different, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Now, not to say that Easy Rider is bad. In fact, I, I think it's actually a really, it's quite a good movie, and you can just tell. Um, but I will say also, before we kind of move on to his more, like, traditional Hangout movies... Um, Linklater said something in an interview that was really really interesting because he's read a lot of books on filmmaking and he waited a long time before he even like really got into filmmaking. He wanted to do his research and watch a ton of movies and all mm-hmm. that, which is very, you know, very admirable and I can I mean, really hey, appreciate that.
1: That's what we're doing.
0: That's what we're doing basically <laughs> <Like> right now. <laughs> exactly. This, this is a perfect uh, season 1 finale cuz this is actually very reflective. Um but the one thing he said is that, like, the audience doesn't even have to know exactly what the what your passion is when you're filming something. But if you're filming something that you really care about and that's really important to you, the magic of cinema will kind of translate it to the viewer. So he was mm-hmm. talking about, like, Tarkovsky filming this, like, scene in a movie where a man meets a woman and... In real life, that was his parents meeting, but the audience doesn't know that, but the audience is super engaged because it's such a powerful scene of this man meeting this woman. So right. he was saying, you know, if you're, if you're filming like, like a coffee cup, like even just a coffee cup, that, but it has a certain meaning to you and you're filming it and you have this admiration for it, it'll transfer and, and be so powerful that it'll, uh, shine through the power of cinema and it will hit the viewer, which I think is really just an interesting it's thought. powerful.
1: It, it's Very like powerful. showing yeah. showing someone like your eyes when you look in, at something. And, and when you learn to really use that language of cinema and the tools, you can super effectively through through really simple objects or moments show so much emotion and show what it would look like from your perspective or what your eyes see and, or, and what you feel, whether or not they understand the context. Yeah. A hundred
0: percent. Yeah. I really, I really enjoy that, that idea that he brought to mind. And, and, Yeah, it's just interesting to think about movies like that. Just think about like, oh, yeah, I wonder what the hell is wrong with David Lynch, if that's the case, because he's filming a lot of weird shit all the time. And And it's weird, too, because
1: he's like a super chill guy. Everyone, every interview of people who've worked with him, they're like, he's the best. He's the kindest and like when you see him even now on his YouTube channel he just does like super wholesome stuff but like just some side of him he's just burying it in movies like that darkness all, all of it just funnels into the camera
0: oh man yeah no that's true didn't you say on his YouTube channel he has like a thing where he's like the number of the day is seven
1: today's Thank number you. is seven <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like that
0: That's not a bad impression actually. It's pretty good. I've I've
1: watched I watch those every day. (laughs) They're like (laughs) thirty seconds, and they pop into my feed, and I'm like, "Well, what's today's number gonna be?"
0: Yeah, you can't really start your day without it, can you? No. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but anyway, I would say Slacker, good movie. I haven't seen all of it, but I am excited to finish it, and I definitely will um, finish it soon because it is something that I can enjoy and appreciate.
1: Totally. Yeah. I saw it years ago. I haven't gone back to it since. Um, and yeah, it, it just, it just hits me. Like I can intellectualize why it's important. Mm -hmm. I can think about and understand the context of the times, why it's important, but it doesn't, it can never hit me with that level because I'm not, you know, some film fan in the nineties, seeing a, a weird new style.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I, I've heard about this movie before and I'm actually, I, it's funny cause I heard about this movie where it's like every time like two people have a conversation it follows the other person and then it, like keeps moving on the whole movie. I heard about that movie years ago and I saw a clip of it, but I never knew the name of the movie mm. and I thought it was the movie 20 bucks for a really long time because that movie is about like a $20 bill. Yeah. But, I don't know if you've heard of that one. Yeah, I have. That one, now that I think about it, I'm like, oh, that's just a fucking ripoff of Slacker. But I think that one actually did okay as well. And that one wasn't terribly received either. That's one I'm curious to actually check out now that we're we're talking about it. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, this was one, though, that I'm glad that we did this binge because now I'm like, oh, this is the movie. And it's a really cool idea to have that just kind of a floating camera through a city. For, mm-hmm. you know, an, a hundred minutes. And I can appreciate that, even if the movie isn't the most engaging or the most, you know, rewatchable. But yeah. um, I'm glad it exists. Mm-hmm. Should we move on to the Hangout movies?
1: Hell yeah. D- the, this was, um. so he followed, did he follow up Slacker with Dazed and Confused? He did, I believe right? so. Yeah, yeah. He, ba- basically that movie was like a indie darling studios kind of got their eyes on him and were like here's money make whatever you want
0: yeah which is interesting too because like i feel like
1: i don't know i feel like that would nowadays if
0: somebody saw a slacker they'd be like what the fuck is this guy's deal get him out
1: it was such a different time back then where like like i said dudes like robert rodriguez and kevin smith quentin tarantino kind of went through the same thing where like they made these like indie hits and kind of cult classics and big studio saw them and were like here's all the money make what you want yeah and that just yeah different times right like that that doesn't happen really now
0: it couldn't happen yeah i'm trying to think of like a more contemporary example and it's it's usually like an
1: indie darling director gets snatched up to make a marvel movie or Pretty like much, a, a franchise yeah. right you, like dudes like i don't know like ryan kugler or something you know he he did like some some great movies uh in school and like after school and then you know they gave him uh creed and then they gave yeah. him black panther like that's the they wouldn't just give him money and be like make your passion p- project
0: yeah for some reason i was thinking about like the guy who did zombie land like ruben Fleischer or whatever, and then right. they were like, Okay, now you're gonna do Gangster Squad. And he was like, <laughs> All right, let's fucking rock and roll. Let's do Venom, let's do it, you know? Yeah. So I get that. Um in terms of hangout movies, we're talking about Dazed and Confused, Everybody Wants Some and Last Flag Flying. Last Flag Flying, not really like a quote unquote hangout movie. It's kind of like more like a war movie, but it is about like three Vietnam vets like hanging out for a day or two so right. i i'm quitting it in that category just to make it a little bit easier but um all three of these are good movies um tell me about Days and confused because you love this movie
1: i really do and it's it's strange too because you'd think this might be one that's kind of like easy rider because on the surface it might seem like oh yeah this is just like boomer nostalgia right like it's just a time and place but it's, it, it is still just like a really universal and optimistic look at youth and, and high school and all that and eternally relatable. Like no matter what era you're in, you're going to remember those last days of school, right? Like the, yeah. the, those are legendary and those are the, the chaos in the hallways when, when the last <laughs> day happens. Like we all know what that's like. And I, I, I remember watching this first, like between elementary school and high school kind of out of nervous excitement trying to absorb like all this high school media and like you know get ready for for the the big change and this was one that was just really where a lot of high school movies are kind of like oh everything sucks and like you're mopey and you might fall in love and all this like you know there's certain high school tropes in this one in the end like what it comes down to is everybody just wants to know that they've they've made the most of it and that's yeah that's just so optimistic because you have these even even the conflicts they're all resolved by like everybody just wants to have a good time and not have any regrets yeah and i just love that message it's so optimistic and you know might not reflect the reality of of high school but it does reflect the reality of what people need out of it and what people look for out of it yeah,
0: it's interesting watching this movie because I was never in this social group in high school. Like, I only went to, like, a couple parties, but I never drank in high school, so seeing this, I was like, man, like, I did not do any of this. Like, if, if I were to be any character, I would like to think that I would be like McConaughey, who's, like, graduated, but is coming back to kind of, like, <laughs> To be a creep. Know, to be a creep, kind of, because he's like, hey, man. Like, for me, though, it would just be like, I missed this, so, like, now now I
1: got to get caught
0: up, you right. know. But with him, he's just cool. A little creepy, but he's cool, you know. That's um, true.
1: People look ex- up to him.
0: That's true. Although now they say he's cool. I mean, uh, I love high school girls. They get ol- I get older, they stay the same age. That's a really fucking creepy thing that to is say weird. if you really think about but it.
1: But see, like, that dude exists yeah. universally. The dude who hangs out around high schoolers and buys them booze. And, like, everyone's kind of like, he's weird. But, like, I don't know. He has a car, so. <laughs> yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, exactly. And he's fantastic in this, McConaughey. He's amazing. And this was, like, his first movie, I think. So i mean hey man well done you gotta start somewhere and yeah you gotta start somewhere and this is a good start mm-hmm. and he's become one of the greatest actors just ever you know yeah and and Definitely. so
1: many others like this launched careers and oh, i yeah. i was i was thinking the other day about like was it that he got lucky and just cast a bunch of really skilled people or did he just bring out the best in a bunch of young people and like and really give them the place to explore and figure out who they are as performers too right yeah no
0: that's a good point because what are the odds that you would just
1: cast like two dozen amazing actors that's that's slim especially because they're young
0: yeah i mean some of these actors didn't go on to do a ton afterwards like the main guy randall i i don't know what else he really did um same with I know Wiley Wiggins, who played Mitch, did um, a, a couple other... Th- he did Waking Life.
1: Yeah, I remember that.
0: But I don't really know what else he did. If you look him up, it says he's an American game designer and film actor. So, like, it's definitely... I think he's more into the game designing than he is into the acting. Right. Right. But aside from those people, you've got you know Rory Cochran, Ben Affleck, Adam Goldberg, Anthony Rapp, Matthew McConaughey, Cole Hauser, Mila Jovovich, Joey Lauren Adams, Parker Posey, Nikki Cat. What the fuck? Renee Zellweger was in this yeah, movie too. Yeah,
1: re- remember? I she don't. Was, she actually. was one of the uh, one of the like the girls doing the initiation, like one of the senior girls. Oh, shit. Yeah, she, she looks pretty different. I'm pretty yeah. sure that, that's, that's the role she had. Damn. Okay,
0: I got to go back and rewatch this.
1: <laughs> but yeah, but, so yeah. many, so many that like, even if they, they didn't all, you know, become icons like Ben Affleck or McConaughey or something. Yeah. They all had like serious cultural moments at some point in the following 20 years.
0: Oh yeah, no, for sure. It's funny too because we just did the, we recorded the Vince Vaughn episode not super long ago, and we talked about how he was almost in this movie as Benny, um,
1: Mm, who was
0: one of the one of the douchebags that hangs out with Ben Ben Affleck's
1: character, wasn't it?
0: No, it was it was one of his friends. Okay, Um, I
1: I thought I heard in an interview. that Linklater was considering Vaughn for uh, Affleck's character and just didn't, he didn't like the vibe or the color palette of him. <laughs> like that's, that's what it true. came down to.
0: <laughs> that's true. Honestly, like I feel like Ben Affleck is amazing in this movie because he feels like a, like a kid who never really matured properly. And he has some, like, serious, like, anger issues. And he, there's something something a little bit off about him. He's kind of scary. He's kind of like, scary. And it's kind of uncomfortable. But I feel like Vince Vaughn might have done it to where it's just kind of a joke, you know? Like, mm. I don't think it would have been as, um, what do you call it?
1: As intimidating.
0: As intimidating or as real. I feel like he yeah. would have done it, like... Because Vince Vaughn, when he gets angry in movies, he's like, I will burn that face, daddy! You know, like, he kind of goes really over the top. But I feel like Ben Affleck, it was coming from a very real place, so it was very uncomfortable and very scary. But because it was so uncomfortable, it just becomes funny, you know?
1: Yeah, and, like, yeah, it, I think it also becomes funny in some of the ways that Linklater shoots it, too. Like, there are, like, the, the spankings yeah. moments are, like, these are these really <laughs> tough guys, but, like... It, it also shows how ridiculous like a, a fucking paddling is like and like yeah. almost kind of homoerotic in a way where it's clearly <laughs> like that's not the bully's intent they're trying to emasculate them but the way Linklater shoots it is like these angry men are like you know they're, they're this is just like weird the thing they're doing <laughs>
0: yeah they were playing what no more Mr. Nice Guy or something yeah. right like yeah it just you just see it and you're like come <laughs> on man like, this is ridiculous yeah But yeah, no, this movie, this is one I want to see again, because I feel like it's one of those movies you got to see a couple times to really appreciate. Or maybe I just didn't see it in high school. And, I, you know, now it's just sad because I'm like a university student and I'm like, "Ah, I'm too late. I'm late to the party (laughs) on this one. But um, no, no, I love it. And I I thought it was a really good movie. And uh, I can see why this is such a big cultural film. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to go back and rewatch it again. I had a lot of fun with this one. So, It's yeah. great.
1: Amazing movie. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, so, the other Hangout movies are Everybody Wants Some and Last Flag Flying. That's a real tongue twister. Try saying that five times fast. Jesus. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, <laughs> Everybody Wants Some was... It's pretty good. I was... You know... I was going to try and watch this before I saw Dazed and Confused, because I was like, if I see Dazed and Confused first, I feel like watching Everybody Wants Some is like being like, oh my god, is is like going into it being like, oh my god, it's going to be Dazed and Confused, but like in college, and it's just going to yeah. disappoint me. And nothing will compare. Nothing will compare, and it, and it kind of, that's kind of what happened, because like Dazed and Confused feels like this is like... A moment in time this is so relatable so like fun so amazing there's so many uh interesting characters and then everybody wants some as like 23 years after the fact and they were like let's try and do it again but with new characters and different actors and like the first by the end of this movie i had a good time but for the first half of it Like, some of the characters are just really annoying and really kind of unlikable in some parts. Mm. Now, by the end of it, you grow to love everybody. But, like, Dazed and Confused even had that, where it was like... There were some characters in Dazed and Confused where at first I'm like, I don't know if I like this guy. But then as things kind of go on, you're like, no, I do like this guy because, you know, he's not a complete asshole. Yes, they want to paddle... The freshmen, but they're also not gonna, you know, bully them much more, other than that, you know, yeah. except for like, except for like O'Banion, but like.
1: Yeah, but you also kind of see like either like they get their comeuppance or by the end they're reflecting like, like I don't even know if anything I did was right in the past four years. And I just want to yeah. know that like I did it as best as I could. And as naive as it is to think like by paddling a. a, a <laughs> a freshman i'm doing the best thing for i'm doing the best i can for this experience but it is kind of like how you know this these aggressive kind of teenagers might see it
0: yeah and it, that's the thing the paddling thing was all right with me like by the end or not even by the end by like a third of the way through the movie i'm like no i like these guys because like yes they paddle the freshman, but that's kind of like It's almost like an initiation thing where it's like, we're going to paddle you, but then you're one of us, you know?
1: Exactly. By the end, they're they're all together. Yeah.
0: This one is like the main character comes to the house and then they like give him a really hard time and they keep giving him a hard time and then he gives other people a hard time. It just, it didn't really feel as fun. Like, it just felt like everybody in this house was kind of a bully to each other at some points. And Mm. then like, I don't know, it might also just be that I just don't really dig that. Like, I'm always kind of annoyed by people who, like, kind of make everything a joke and kind of are assholes to each other as a joke. But it just became annoying at some points. Um, But like I said, by the end of the movie, you love everybody and you're like, okay, I like these characters. But at the same time, I saw this movie last night. I'm not really going to remember any of these characters. Mm. You know? Like, Dazed and Confused. I wasn't even, like... A crazy humongous fan of Daisy confused but i had a really good time with it you know yeah and it's only going to go up from there um but and i remember like a lot of the characters you got the stoners with you know mila jovovich and rory cochran yeah you got the assholes with cole hauser and ben affleck and the other guys you got pink floyd you've got um <laughs> you've got kind of like
1: yeah, kind of like uh, the, the the drama kind of intellectuals who like think they're too big for high school or too mature for it. But yeah, really, they're, Adam, they're the same as everyone else. Adam Goldberg is, yeah.
0: I have to mention him because he's my favorite character in that movie. Because I'm like, this would be me in high school in this situation. <laughs> this would be me. Because he has one of the funniest lines in the movie. And it's one that like I feel like nobody ever talks about. It's that like this guy gives him a hard time when he goes to the party. And then. He gets all upset because he's like, oh, man, like I'm, I'm relieved to be out of the situation. But now I got this like humiliation that's kind of setting in and I know it's going to be here for the, the next couple of years unless I do something about it right now. to just hit him with the first punch. Then he can't really come back from that. And you're just <laughs> like, this guy is so out of his fucking mind. But it's just like he's he, and then like later he's on, like he gets a little, little, little,
1: little bit, a little bit neurotic and a little bit neurotic. Yeah, he kind of reminded me but, of like a but Mark like still likable.
0: Very likable, yeah. He was kind of like a Mark Maron almost type. Like that's kind of the vibe I got from him. And then later on, he says another one of the funniest lines ever. Where he's in the car after getting into this fight, he's looking at his bruises, and he's like, "Hey, like I got a, I got a couple." good punches in though right even though he totally got his ass kicked but he's like i got i got a couple in and then the girl is like you know yeah like i bet in a few years no one will remember and he's like yeah yeah you know like hemingway nobody cared if he won or lost the fight and it's like this guy compares himself to fucking hemingway like that just killed me that this guy thought of himself like that and it was hilarious and he was still likeable which is hard to do yeah. so
1: I mean it's just such a relatable like naive young young person thing to be so worried about all the little things and like thinking of yourself yeah. as as so much more important than than you might actually be at the moment
0: <laughs> exactly
1: yeah he was he was
0: honestly like him and anthony rap that was probably what I was really like in high school, that was probably, like, more of my social circle in terms of these, like, big, huge parties and whatnot. Like, I'd right. kind of be there, but not really. not re- Actually, I would never really be there. Or if I was, I was very not really with everybody else. Um, so, it was nice to kind of have that character. And be like that's kind of me, like that kind of I could kind of see myself in that role, which is which is nice.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of that for sure in, yeah. in there. I I definitely think I identified more with somewhere between the stoners and some of the sportier kids, since I, I <laughs> a lot of my friends are on on the sports teams. But yeah, it, it I think there's something for everyone, even at different stages too, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think universally we can all relate to Mitch, just like yeah. starting out, like the the fear, the anxiety, and like wanting to fit in. That's like day one of high school, no matter who you are. Right?
0: Exactly. Mitch was very relatable as well. It's funny that you say you're with the stoners, because when I was watching this, I saw Rory Cochran, and I was like, that was Greg. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> obviously not quite there, but it was just funny. Just, I think his opening line in the movie is like, hey man, you coming to the party tonight? It's like, yeah, we'll be there around nine. He's like, okay, I'm really psyched, bro. And he leaves. <laughs>
1: i like to think i kept it together better but who knows i don't remember that time period super well
0: oh man (laughs) yeah honestly i'm liking the movie more just thinking about it you know it's one of those that like man now i want to watch it again it sticks with you it really does and it's a movie i want to i want to watch again and i'll definitely fuck it out I don't know if I if I have time after this week. This is a pretty stressful week in terms of school and shit. But, like, I might watch this around the winter break, you know? Yeah. Not really a Christmas movie, but it works.
1: Feels like yeah. Christmas in a weird
0: way. Kind of does.
1: Nostalgic. <laughs> it's it's Nostalgic, mythical. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But to kind of finish the point on Everybody Wants Some, I mean, look at that. I, I tried to talk about Everybody Wants Some, <laughs> and I ended up talking about Dazed and Confused um there are good performances in dazed and confused i love like wyatt russell plays kind of a matthew mcconaughey type in it mm-hmm. and he's great and glenn powell is also in it he kind of reminded me of like vince vaughn and swingers almost um which i which i liked and i always like glenn powell i think he's a talented young actor and i think he's great um you know it, if you don't know who he is he's a guy who played chad radwell on uh, scream queens which amazing
1: performance
0: amazing performance terrible show but really really funny <laughs> he carried it he carried the whole show and then when they killed him off you were like okay i'm done yeah um such yeah. a funny guy though he's a very funny guy and he's a very talented actor um so it was nice to see him in this but yeah no everybody wants some zoe Deutsch is also great in it too she's fantastic but you know aside from like a few really great performances i found some of the other characters to be kind of annoying for a bit and um i i also don't think that they quite get their comeuppance you know i think Mm -hmm. it kind of was like you're supposed to like them even though they're kind of douchebags and i'm like i don't really don't really connect and it, it could have been maybe a little bit shorter it's like almost two whole hours and you're just like okay like does it need to be like 116 minutes or can it just be an hour 40 and can we be on our way you know like it's
1: true I will say like talking about runtimes, he is like very, he's good at like kind of a, a brisk movie, even mm-hmm. if it is a little bit longer for the most part, e- even his longest movie boyhood, like rewatching it now, most of it flew by for me. We'll, we'll get to it a little later, but like he's, he's great at, uh, making nothing feel engaging. that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, he definitely, most of the movies really didn't drag for me. Mm -mm. Um, Even Everybody Wants Some didn't drag for me, but it was just like... Didn't need to be that much. It just didn't need to be that long, because at the end of the day, it is just a bunch of guys drinking in college. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, I don't don't need to sit through a ton of that, you know. Um, But yeah, definitely not bad, but uh, not a, you know not i'm not recommending it like i would recommend dazed and confused um and then last flag flying is a really good one as well um that one drags maybe just a little bit i think it was like what i mean by a little bit is maybe it was like 10 minutes too long Mm. but like that's not bad i mean like i'd rather a movie be 10 minutes too long than 40 you know yeah true um and this is one that stars Steve Carell, Brian Cranston, and Lawrence Fishburne as three Vietnam vets. Uh, Steve Carell's son just passed away, and they're kind of going on like a a trip to kind of reconnect the three of them because they used to be friends in the in the Vietnam War and. You know, they're trying to help Steve Carell kind of deal with this his grief a little bit. And it's not, like I said, it's not really like a hangout movie, per se. It's not like they're going and, like, drinking and meeting women or anything like that. They're, it's like three guys who are in their early 50s, like hanging out yeah hanging out reconnecting but it is it is a nice movie it's on amazon prime i think it's an amazon prime original actually so it's very easy to watch if you got that subscription and i would recommend it um steve carell's really great in it in a dramatic role as he always is brian cranston phenomenal it's amazing how he's been so successful in getting away from the breaking bad kind of image i feel i was nervous when that show ended that i wasn't gonna be able to unsee him as walter white but i've actually been it's actually been very easy for me to separate him because he's that good
1: i mean even even with breaking bad i know this isn't the cranston podcast but he did break away too for me because i remember starting uh breaking bad and being like oh i don't know if i'll ever unsee hal like he's a funny guy he's a comedian I, i don't know if i'll buy it but like he did it and then he's yeah. doing it again. He's breaking yeah, he away did. from an iconic role.
0: Exactly. He's a phenomenal actor, and I, I'd i love to see him in more stuff. He, he's just phenomenal. Yeah. Um. And then also, not to be overshadowed in any way, is Lawrence Fishburne, who I feel like he's an actor who constantly is kind of forgotten about how great of an actor he is. I feel like he's kind of in the category with like chris cooper and terrence stamp and just these like recognizable guys in movies who like morgan freeman almost you know you see them in a movie and you're like oh yeah that guy but then occasionally you see them in a role and you're like oh yeah he's phenomenal like he's the greatest he's such a good actor i feel like you just see them so often that sometimes you're like Oh, yeah, that guy can really
1: fucking act.
0: And it also shows that they can just blend into any movie really easily. It shows how good they are. But this one, he really gets to shine.
1: Yeah, he was also amazing in Dream Warriors. Just like another... Eye-opening, yes. awakening performance of his. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. Awakening. Nice choice of words there. Um, he's phenomenal in that. He's a guy I'd like to see do some more stuff. I, I Or maybe I just need to look more into the movies that he's done because... I,
1: I think there is kind of an element to like taking his, his work for granted because he is so well-known and iconic, right? He's incredible,
0: yeah. So incredible but i love linklater's hangout movies now that we're just talking about like most of his movies i just want to sit down and watch them again yeah you know like i really want to sit down and watch last flight flying again because that was a movie i i really liked when i saw it and yeah i'd like to sit down and and see that again he's
1: definitely one of those filmmakers with like high watch high rewatchability for me because the movies i love of his i watched so many times oh yeah
0: yeah, definitely. He's, um... I will be going back to Before Sunset very soon, but we'll get into that a little bit later.
1: Yeah, maybe some that I'm not as eager to rewatch are his animated things. Um. Yeah. I, I think between Waking Life and A Scanner Darkly, I, I like Waking Life more because I think the aesthetic fits that better just for me, but still, um... His animated movies they they use like this computer rotoscoping effect to basically like pin an animation to live action in a way. Yeah. And it just doesn't work for me personally because nothing feels very anchored and I find myself very detached from the characters because they're like not quite reality, but not cartoony enough for me to like project onto. Um I, I like I like that he does it. It's just like my not for me in terms of taste.
0: Yeah, I get where you're coming from. I I think for me it does work, at least a a lot more than it does for you. Um, But no, I can understand that. Um, I didn't really dig Waking Life. Like Mm -hmm. I said, not not that that means it's bad. I, I would actually say quite the opposite, and I actually think it's a good movie, But it's just, it's a very different movie, and the way that the plot works is incredibly different. Yeah. Um, It's not an average kind of movie, it's not something that's, you know, like, it feels like, it's kind of a movie that's very floating, it's had some parallels to Slacker, but it's like every scene you just, like, come across these two people, and they just, they just give monologues about, like, philosophical ideologies and whatnot, and... I think also the the thing is too is that I never sat down and watched this at a really good time. Like every time I would sit down to watch it, it'd be like two AM. I'm like, I gotta go to bed, I'll throw on Waking Life and I'm like, That's not a bedtime movie, you know? Like that is <laughs> I mean not it a is movie. it is
1: about dreams.
0: It is about dreams, but you want to watch that in the middle of the day. You don't want to watch it before while you're slowly dozing off. Like, right. Dazed and Confused is the movie you want to kind of doze off to, because that's just fun. It's a good time.
1: Relaxing. Wait. You're not Relaxing. being, like, like, brain shook by, like, weird visuals and hard to follow ideas. <laughs> yeah. And it's a little bit,
0: you know, Dazed and Confused doesn't really have, like, a a super strong narrative structure, but there's mm-hmm. a lot more structure to Dazed and Confused than there is to Waking Life.
1: There's something to follow in Dazed and something Confused is Waking exactly. Life. It's like, where do I go? Which yeah, is, is, is dreamlike, I guess. But Yeah,
0: and the other thing is too, Dazed and Confused isn't hard to follow. It's like, there's a party, they're going to the party. It's Last very day of school.
1: simple. Everyone Last wants to have school. a good time.
0: Exactly. No more Mr. Nice Guy, great soundtrack, like mm-hmm. whatever. But the Waking Life is like you got to be up to really kind of work. Like, this movie is, is like, kind of... It's like work. Um, And analysis and whatnot. A Scanner Darkly, I appreciated more because there's a little bit more of, like, a story. I think it's based on, like, a Philip K. Dick novel or something like that. I liked it, and I liked... I actually thought that the the visuals were very fitting because it is a movie kind of about drugs and whatnot. So I yeah. felt like the animated idea, or the the rotoscoping kind of visualing, uh, visualing I don't know <laughs> visual effects. I think that that was was actually really that worked for the movie. And then the thing I like too is that like because they're pinning animation, it makes like all of these like hallucinations seem a little bit more like. Just not like you can just visualize it more because you could just attach it like a oh, okay, instead of Woody Harrelson sitting down, let's just make him a bug, you know?
1: Yeah, I think I think the the that the the animation definitely serves the the drug themes of it really well. Mm-hmm. Um because there's a lot of bad trips in this movie and the movie feels like a bad trip. Yes. With, with that said, the thing the main characteristic of a bad trip is like you want it to end and you never want to do that again and that's yeah. kind of how i how i feel about the style but it, it absolutely serves the story super well and i think yeah. you brought up something interesting where like in waking life it feels like work right yeah um to to get into and i think maybe that's where i I slightly prefer Waking Life over Scanner Darkly just because for me, either way, like I was rewatching Scanner Darkly last night and I was kind of like, it felt like work to engage myself in it. Yeah. And so if I'm doing that, I, I guess I would prefer maybe like a, a story that I also have to work for or a lack of story. But yeah, yeah the both, both I have trouble getting into.
0: Yeah, I I, I will say, like, A Scanner Darkly was difficult for me. It was a very challenging movie. I think I rented it, like, twice and threw it on for, like, 30 minutes, and I was like, I can't do it. This is too Mm. much. This is too weird. But once you really sit down and, like, apply yourself and you're like, okay, like, I just need to kind of get through this, you can really gain an appreciation after it's over. Um but yeah, no, it's definitely a very a very different movie. But again, that's kind of what I like about Linklater is that he's always doing something different. He's always trying to challenge himself, but he's also trying to challenge you because he's 100%. making... 100 And I don't even know if he realizes that he's challenging so many people because these movies are challenging to get through, but I'm like, why don't I like this? And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, because it's different. And I'm like, well, that's no reason to not like a movie because it's different. I mean, like... We're always talking about, you know, movies should be different and try and be like interesting and trying to change the game and whatnot. So when you see something that's different and you're like, mm, not really into it, it kind of goes against your own point of view, or at least that is that's how I feel because I no. I have that conversation all the time. So. I
1: agree. I appreciate yeah. that he does something different and like takes that risk with 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 his style. I'm I'm glad that he he experimented like that because it's really cool and I would much oh, yeah. rather he try out that style than anyone lesser because if anyone can handle it it's him
0: yeah i will say now that I think about it um scanner darkly it's kind of like fear and loathing in las vegas minus the energy yeah and uh so you're just you can really think about how unfun this is (laughs) to sit through because fear and loathing keeps moving you know it keeps moving and it's crazy and it's weird but it's kind of fun and you kind of hate it but you also kind of love it but scanner darkly doesn't have that pulsating energy with it so you you have time to think and be like what the fuck is going on this is weird
1: yeah it's like i'm scared and i want to go home i want this drug to wear off so i can just curl up in bed (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> exactly. This was this was an intense one, but um I really like Keanu Reeves in this one. I uh, I think Robert Downey Jr. steals the show yeah. for the most part. Um Yeah. No, I, I, I why isn't Robert Downey Jr. done more stuff with Linklater? Cuz he he he's like the most perfect person to be in a Linklater movie.
1: He is perfect, but let's face it, a Linklater movie does not does not pay that Marvel check. Does not it does not play, pay that Disney check
0: that's true do it out of love
1: that's i think that's why like the the people he eventually amasses kind of a group of friends that he just makes movies with often because they're not doing it for anything other than just to like for it to exist
0: yeah you know what's funny and we'll get i don't want to get too ahead of ourselves but boyhood is kind of reminded me of that because like i had seen all his filmography basically and boyhood was really the last one that i watched and it's interesting because that was made over 12 years so like you can see at certain points you're like this is around 2007 and then there's a cameo from um a guy or a or a woman who who was in a movie that Linklater did around the same time and you're like I love that he was probably just on set that day and was like Hey, man, um, I really like what you're doing. I'm filming Boyhood. Do you want to just do this scene? And the guy's like, yeah, sure. So I love that Mm -hmm. um, part of it. That's kind of reflective and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the lesser known and forgotten movies from his career. Let's talk about Suburbia, The Newton Boys, Tape, and Me and Orson Welles. Yeah,
1: where do you want to start here?
0: Let's start with Suburbia because this one... I. I wasn't a big fan of this might be this might be objectively his worst movie, in my opinion. I only got through half of it, though, so I can't really confidently say that it's bad because um, I didn't really, you know, give it the most fair shot. I think I and I will say I am curious to kind of watch the second half of it at some point in time, Um but I was kind of let down by this movie because this one is also written by um, Eric Bogosian. It's based on a play that he wrote. And I love Eric Bogosian. He right. played Arno in Uncut Gems. Mm-hmm. He was in talk radio. He's a great actor, great playwright. Um, but this one, I just felt like the characters were really obnoxious and really kind of annoying. And um, they just bugged me. So it was hard to really like want to hang out with them.
1: Yeah, I saw this a while ago and had a similar vibe and also kind of felt like it was i can see why Linklater was attached to this because it's kind of going for dazed and confused kind of aimless characters but yeah. there's none of that charm or magic to it at all it yeah. kind of just felt bare from from what made dazed and confused good
0: yeah exactly and that's the thing is that like it felt like i was saying before we got on the air um that this kind of felt like The people from Dazed and Confused who graduated high school and went nowhere. Yeah. You know? So there's just kind of a feeling of, like, these characters are, like, some of them are really, like, self-important and very full of themselves, and it's just not really fun to sit with these people, you know? Because Dazed and Confused is, like, these guys, they want to be the best they can be, and they just want to have no regrets, but these are, like, well, these guys are... Like Giovanni Rabisi's character, for example, is a guy who claims to be an artist and claims to be really, you know, an interesting guy, but he doesn't actually ever want to do anything, and he's jealous of other people who do, so.
1: Yeah, and I think those kinds of qualities are super likable and understandable for a teenage character because like a teenager's so limited like of course there's there's nothing you you have no real control over your life but then when you see that kind of same aimlessness quality in in these 20 somethings who've never left their hometown or like you know who who've just stuck around doing the same thing all these years it's like well you're the one who can choose now right like there's nobody holding you down
0: exactly right it's, yeah it just it really lacked the charm, and this one I, I wasn't like super surprised that this one has kind of been forgotten about. Um, but yeah, not to say that there's that it's all bad. There are good stuff in it. I like Steve Zahn in this movie. Uh, I like seeing him pop up every
1: now and again, and it's a good looking movie too. Like oh, regardless, yeah. like Linklater's touch. He, he as as the time goes on, he just gets better and better technically. And oh, so, yeah. like, it's not you know offensively bad in any way. It's it's just passable, and yeah, Linklater can do much more than passable. So like, the standard's different, I think.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's more just not even that this movie is that like not that. Ba- it's not that bad. It's just he can do so much more. So like, why don't you just do mm-hmm. more? You know, there um, are like yeah. like the
1: rest of this list of lesser known stuff deserves to be well known. I would oh, say.
0: absolutely. The Newton Boys, Tape, and me and Orson wells These ones are fucking great. Yeah. Like, these are phenomenal movies. Tell me about the Newton Boys, because I, I saw this and I told you about it, um, but you seem to really like this one a lot more than I anticipated.
1: So. I, I dug it because I didn't know what to expect from a Linklater. Like, it's... It's, it's kind of a Western, but it, it takes place like, you know, long after most Westerns do. It takes place in the 20s and it's about bank robbers. Yeah. Um, but really, it makes sense that like, give Linklater an action movie and no one's going to die. <laughs> like, they're not yeah. going to kill people. It's not going to be about, um, you know, it's not as much about the crimes as it is about the, the, these brothers getting together and taking a risk. That's yeah. really like what it's about, which is such a link later way to tell a bank a bank heist movie, you know, to root yeah. it in in that com, in a community that gets together to do something risky.
0: Absolutely, and it kind of has some crossover with Bernie because this is based on a true story. Yeah. Um, And then you see some real footage at the end, which I thought was really interesting. But this movie, yeah, this one is just fun. And like the four leads in this movie who are playing the Newton boys, playing the brothers, they're McConaughey, Ethan Hawke, uh, Ski, Yorick. Skeet Ulrich, Skeet Ulrich. I don't know how you say his name. One of the those are from, right. <laughs> yeah, the guy, the guy from Scream. Yeah, um, and Vincent D'Onofrio, who, by the way, I'm really starting to love. I saw him in a couple of Vince Vaughn movies uh, when we did that, and I've seen him in this now. And you know, he was Gomer Pyle in Full Metal Jacket. He's a fantastic actor, so I will have to do an episode on him at some point in time. I'm sure, but uh, yeah,
1: the cast—it's like all these magnetic icons when they're young. And seeing them play off oh, each yeah. other is just the. Again, even it's like even if it's not the most exciting action that's going on because mm-hmm. Linklater doesn't focus on that. He yeah. knows how to f- how to focus on a performer, and so that's what's exciting about it.
0: Exactly, this movie was just fun, you mm-hmm. know. It's super fun, and it just and that's the other thing that I love too. This one I remember being on Netflix for a while, and I was always like, I want to watch that because that looks really good, but I never got to it. And I was also like, Yeah, I mean, like nobody's talked about it. I mean, how good can it be? It's actually a super fun movie. It's solid, you, yeah. And if you like fun, like kind of almost gangster western heist movies, kind of things, this is a great movie to watch. Yeah. Not to mention McConaughey is magnetic. So is Ethan Hawke, Ski Ulrich. Really, everybody is great in this movie. Dwight Yoakam is great in this movie too. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's amazing how good of an actor he actually is. You know, it's true.
1: He, he's he's he definitely deserves more of those kinds of character roles. Exactly. He's been in a couple good things too. He was in
0: um, what was that one? I've never seen Sling Blade, but I've heard he was in Sling Blade. But he was also oh fuck, what was that movie? He did some movie Panic Room. That's what it was,
1: right? Yeah, he was in
0: Panic Room. He was good in that one. Yeah, yeah. everyone's great in
1: this movie. And Everybody's great. It, it's yeah. it's 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 it was Linklater's first real outing with with a big like Hollywood budget. Like you know, there there's set pieces and stuff. Like uh, Days and Confuse was a bigger budget, but this was you know. It's a period piece set in a city, so there, yeah. like, there's a ton of money all over this movie, uh, and it's a shame it didn't do well, because it'd be interesting, had this done well, would Linklater have continued in that direction, and what would we have gotten, right? Like, would would he be telling different kinds of stories? Even though this is still very much in line, like, the focus is in line with his other themes, yeah. it's, it's really different. It's one of his most unique movies.
0: Oh yeah, no for sure. It's it's interesting to see him tackle something that like any other director would have kind of tackled any like um
1: Like just, you can just picture as- like Spielberg's version of this and how how it would go. It'd be very exactly. very very, you know, faster paced and probably better action. But Linklater doesn't focus on that at all. Exactly. I think Linklater's
0: thing is he likes to focus on relationships, which I love because those are the, always the most important things and most interesting things in movies for me. Um, I could really give less of a fuck about um, the story. Sometimes I could really care more about the characters and what's going on between them. Yeah. Uh, which is why the before trilogy and later movies work really well for me. Um, it's, it's
1: also why tape works super well if it's fair to to talk about that i think it's a it's a great point you're making where like the relationship is key and tape is nothing but relationship
0: exactly yeah like that's the thing like i on uh, you remember spider-man far from home right yeah i remember i was like insanely involved in the peter and mj like romance in that mm-hmm. movie and nobody else was but i was like fuck off guys that was the best part of the movie <laughs>
1: i agree it's and everyone's so cute. like oh
0: man i was crying when he was bringing up um you know tony stark and i was like i was crying when they kissed at the end i was so happy yeah you know
1: i agree that that is a yeah. that that's something that sets that movie far and above a lot of the, the attempts at relationships in spider-man movies
0: See, so that's, that's what I like about Linklater is that he always focuses on relationships. And, yes, let's move on to tape because tape is phenomenal. Um, and you know what I love about this movie is that any movie that says, like, oh, it's, like, only three, three people in the room, what really gets on my nerves is that there's always a scene where they're, like, walking down the street and there's, like, a ton of people in the background where you're like, okay, well, technically – it's not only three people on screen because there's people fucking behind you there's yeah. extras and shit like yeah fucking. they were paid
1: you know union standard like this isn't some yeah. small budget thing don't pretend but this really is this is a this, it's a motel room three great actors go yes.
0: <laughs> which i love so much and it's based on a play this is written by the playwright um steven belber was that his name i don't know but i think so uh, I think it was Steven Belber. I'm going to look it up. Steven Belber. Boom. Fuck. Yeah. Got it.
1: Nailed it. Um, (laughs) You get a gold star for movies.
0: Thank you. Put it on my fucking forehead. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the the story is, is so great. And we're not, I I really don't want to give much away because it's, it's on streaming now it's on Amazon and it's a short movie, but a super, super engaging conversation about just like, you know, all these really uniquely motivated people who are kind of scheming to get something out of each other or um, putting on a facade and you're, and really not until the end. Are you really certain what anyone's game is, you know? And there's so many great moments between them all.
0: This is one, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm not even sure if I even
1: understand now what The fucking
0: game was. <laughs> like, I haven't been able to stop thinking about this movie, and I'm just like, well, well did he, or didn't he, or yeah. did she think this, or did she think that? Like, it's very interesting, and this movie stars Uma Thurman. Ethan Hawke and Robert Sean Leonard or as I like to call them Uma Thurman crackhead Tom Cruise and dramatic Jim Carrey (laughs) because that's what they Robert Sean Leonard is Jim Carrey if he was just a dramatic actor he looks like it he sounds like it yeah. And then Ethan Hawke looks and sounds, especially in this movie. In this where movie, like, he
1: is crackhead Tom Hanks. He is
0: crockhead Tom Cruise, yeah. Oh, yeah, Tom
1: Cruise. Tom Cruise. I was like, Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks, really? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you guy. Oh, that's a terrible impression. <laughs> terrible impression.
1: He's kind of like Ray Romano, but like, like dialed back a little, his voice. There was Tom some Hanks. impression
0: I heard. Like the guy who did the Vince Vaughn impression that I sent you, Jonathan Kite.
1: Yeah.
0: He could do a real like, Tom Hanks, it was really good. Or like, I just picture Woody. Yeah, where he's like, "You guy, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm gonna stop trying." But he could kind of, oh, it's Tommy. No, I can't do it. I can't do it. I keep trying. It's not working. Um, I'll find the video and I'll send it to you.
1: I'm trying to think of like
0: a Woody line. A Woody line. There's a snake in my. I'm not even trying anymore. No, I I can't do it. it. (laughs) Um. Anyway, yeah, no, this is Ta- Tape this is, is a, awesome. Tape is awesome. Yeah. And it's a yeah, it's just Yeah, that's what I love is it's just three people in a room. Um and for a lot of it, it's just two people in a room talking.
1: That's true. Most know? of it is two people. But there's just like yeah. a really powerful moral dilemma and yeah. tables turning in really interesting ways as it goes on.
0: Yeah and it, and it shows you how complicated something like this is, you know. Mm-hmm. We I don't want to give too much away, but we're talking about something that's very like um could be considered a crime but maybe isn't, yeah. you know? And there's a fine line between is this considered a crime and you know years after the fact does it still matter does an apology yeah. mean anything like it raises Who, a bunch of whose questions. place yeah. whose
1: place is it to bring this up like should yeah. it be confronted it's this series of not even just like like you know law breaking and like human violations but just like a relationship kind of boundary crossing where it's like whose place is it to do this you know it's it's so yeah. it's so interesting yeah, absolutely,
0: and this was one that I really loved. I I heard that this was like a forgotten gem of Linklater's, so I did. I had bought it on iTunes, not like super duper long ago. I bought it like maybe like a few months ago because I knew we were gonna do this episode, and I was like, okay, well I might as well get my hands on tape. And this was before it was on Amazon Prime, um, so. I saw it the other night, and I'm like, I'm so glad I bought this movie on iTunes because it's a movie I want to go back to again and again and again. Because mm-hmm. my God, is this phenomenal! So it's a well really written, really great movie, so oh, well yeah. performed.
1: I think, I think at first I was lukewarm on the look of it because it's shot on um like a early two thousands uh like tape. Uh, whatever camcorder that's the word. yeah it's shot on a tape. camcorder so yeah it is tape yeah <laughs> um it, so there you go it fits the themes actually but yeah. I, I think the, that look is kind of it's a hurdle at first but link is a master with the camera anyways and he can make it look good oh yeah like yeah it's gonna look kind of like low budget pornography at first <laughs> especially because it's in a motel room and like you know there's there's not a ton of uh there's there's just not a ton of color variants or or a great spectrum of light there's moments where it's very dark and grainy because it just it, it's not a low light camera you know this it's not film it's not gonna handle all of it well but yeah it, the aesthetic does also fit like like the kind of griminess of the situation and the the idea yeah. that you know the part a, a big you know MacGuffin in the story is a tape and so i'm gonna be honest i kind of love the look of the movie
0: yeah like- I love the look of these movies that they shot on camcorders where it looks like it's like a fucking cell phone. I don't even know why, but movies like um, like this and Inland Empire where it just looks like kind of like dog shit. I, I love it for some Fair. reason. Unsane is another one. And that's actually a point I was going to bring up earlier. Watching Linklater stuff, tell me if I'm wrong here. Is it me... Or does he kind of remind you of like Lynn Shelton meets Steven Soderbergh?
1: Yeah, I could see that. I can definitely, I can see like the the Lynn Shelton comparison a lot because they both do like life movies you know
0: life movies people being people human relationships and then i feel like steven soderbergh is always trying to do something interesting with movies and i feel like maybe right. he tries to do it more with technical stuff like unsane and high-flying bird he shoots on a fucking cell phone that's true but i think *Linklater* is maybe a little bit more geared towards like well let's break down the plot and let's just do something You know, like let's shoot a movie over twelve years, or let's make a trilogy about a couple, and we'll make a movie every nine years or something like that. Like, it's it's interesting, but I definitely see some some crossover between him and Steven Soderbergh, and
1: yeah, when you put it that way, you're right. Yeah,
0: pushing boundaries. So pushing boundaries.
1: You're you're so correct all the time. (laughs) <laughs> and then
0: finally in this forgotten movie camp here which by the way like this is a shame that these three movies have kind of been forgotten about yeah um but me and orson wells is a phenomenal movie and it's about um this guy named richard played by zach efron stay with me everyone stay with me um
1: and <laughs> this was zach efron like even pre-high school musical three if i understand
0: Yeah, this was, like, 2008, so it was, like, he was just in that, like, high school musical phase, you know? In the thick of it. This is young, young Efron
1: before he had that kind of Hollywood clout. He was a Disney Channel star.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And he's, this was, like, when people still didn't really like him. I I think they started to like him around, like trying to think when people started to really like him I feel like it was probably around like Neighbors which was like 2014 where people were really like okay
1: yeah I got got some chops
0: before that but yeah I know this this was actually the same year as High High School Musical 3 so
1: yeah so he was doing both of those at the same time or around the same time yeah but this one is such a good
0: fucking movie and I was a little nervous going into it because I'm not always the biggest fan of like period pieces Mm mm-hmm but this movie has a fucking energy to it it is crazy this is such a fantastic energy to this movie and you see zach efron is just this young like 17 year old kid who gets the chance of a lifetime to be in a play with orson welles and the guy who plays orson welles here he should have been nominated for a fucking oscar because,
1: that's, man, that's, this
0: guy was good.
1: That's a hard performance to pull off because Orson Welles is best known for like being a big dude and also for having maybe the greatest voice of all time. Oh, and he absolutely I, does. I, I didn't yeah. get to this movie, unfortunately, but I saw a few clips Um, and geez, so perfect. I don't know how yeah. they where they found this guy, but like, wow. Yeah, he's
0: he's British, I think, too. Actually, uh, Christian McKay is his name. He's and so good. He's so good. He honestly hasn't done like a ton of other stuff. Like, he's done like, he's appeared in movies like Florence Foster Jenkins, The Theory of Everything, Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, Rush, the Ron Howard movie. But like, I don't think he's really like done a ton. So it's crazy. It's, he maybe he's done more theater. I don't really know. He but. should
1: just do Orson Welles stuff. Just every movie that. Orson Welles is in like you want to do any kind of biopic or even if it's like historical fiction and Orson Welles is in it just cast yeah. him give him give him like yeah. some Orson Welles movies exactly because he he's commanding the screen in this movie and you see
0: I, I don't really know how to think about Orson Welles after this movie because like I see all of his flaws but I also see all of the good stuff that he would do and right. the thing that I love about this is that this is such a monumental like um, relationship in this movie and it's really, like, it's centered around, like, a big play that Orson Welles did in, like, 37. So it was before Citizen Kane even happened. Right. And I think it was Julius Caesar or something like that, if I'm not mistaken, that he was doing. I, I don't know what he was doing exactly. But he is... It's just a phenomenal movie because it focuses on this relationship with Zac Efron. And Zac Efron, like, when I hear the title... um, What do you call it? When I hear the title, Me and Orson Welles, and it's about a play, you would think Zac Efron is playing, like, the lead opposite Orson Welles. Zac Efron is in, like, two scenes. His character is in, like, two scenes of the fucking play that they are talking about. But this movie focuses on this relationship. It just goes into this deep dive of this relationship. And then there's also Claire Danes is is in the mix, and Zac Efron likes her, but... You know, maybe there's something going on with Orson Welles as well. Like, it's just phenomenal. The wow. performances in this movie are spectacular. The energy is just, it bounces off. There's great music. The pace of this movie is great. I was nervous, too, because this is like a two-hour movie. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have to sit through a two-hour-long period drama. No, loved it. Honestly, it was kind of sad when it was over because, like, there was so much good in this movie. and I can't wait to watch it. You're going to love it. You're gonna absolutely love it, and it's a shame that nobody talks about it anymore because it, it really deserves to be talked about way, way, way more. So,
1: mm. yeah, can't wait. I can't either. <laughs> it's on the docket tonight.
0: Gonna have to check in with you, and if you haven't you haven't seen it, then podcast is over. Good. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we're, we're canceled.
1: One season. We're canceled. <laughs> like a British TV series. <laughs> like
0: any show on fox just boom (laughs) one season oh that was fantastic you're done um but yeah no let's get into the unsuccessful stuff let's talk about bad news bears fast food nation and where'd you go bernadette which i want to i want to say i think these are his three movies that are actually like technically rotten on rotten tomatoes and i've only seen fast food nation and where'd you go bernadette but i will say honestly Not not bad, and even on Rotten Tomatoes, like I think his lowest rated movie is like forty eight percent. Yeah, not counting it's impossible to learn to plow,
1: right? That's like thirty
0: three. But let's not even
1: you can kind of not really. Yeah, you can
0: kind of not really count that one. Let's say his lowest rated is like Bad News Bears, which is like forty eight percent, which is pretty. You know, like I'd rather sit to Bad News Bears than. Well I haven't seen that so I can't really say but I'd rather sit through where'd you go burn a dead again than sit through you know an Adam Sandler fart pile from our Adam oh, Sandler yeah. episode so 100%. yeah
1: yeah I, I just think it comes down to sometimes like audience expectations and like linklater is is you know he he's he's won accolades he's well known to movie fans but I think you know sometimes when one of his movies gets like a larger release, the expectation you know you might go into bad news bears like oh it's gonna be like something like bench warmers or or like the original right not you're not gonna really get that with link later um you're yeah. gonna get well i it's been so long since i saw bad news bears but one thing that looking back is significant about it is like link later fucking loves baseball there's like oh, yeah. baseball is in literally like half of his movies like even if it's something small like in bernie like he's like talking to a baseball team at one point or if it's you know baseball practice in in dazed and confused or you know yeah. there's, there's everybody
0: a- wants some the whole like frat house or not even frat house the whole house that lives together is a baseball team
1: exactly so um, there you boyhood, go they go to a baseball game like oh yeah that's right yeah. link link later clearly loves baseball and i think bad news bears is like it's probably one of those movies that like uh came across his desk one day and he was like oh shit like If anyone's going to do a remake of this, then it better be me because I love baseball. Absolutely. For that much I respect. It's not, you know, it's not crazy. It's just in that time when like Billy Bob Thornton had to be an asshole and everything, you know. (laughs) Bad Santa came out and everyone was like, we're casting him as the, the jerk.
0: Yeah, poor guy. I bet he's a really nice guy in real life, and he's like, why do I always get I've seen him be an asshole in like an interview once, but then again, the guy was kind of a dick to him before, so he's like, "Fuck you, I'll be a dick to you as well." Yeah,
1: he's like, I can turn this energy on. I'm a pro. (laughs) Exactly.
0: He's 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 super likable though, even though he's you know constantly playing a a piece of shit and kind of an asshole, but um, fantastic actor to say the least. Um, Yeah, Bad Santa is great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know if uh I think sometimes they they are like, Okay, well let's put Billy Bob as an asshole and like whatever we can. And sometimes it's like, okay, but like Bad News Bears is like a kid's movie. Do we need the dickhead of the year to be the coach in a kid's movie about baseball? Like, do we really need that?
1: I, I do think oh, like no. there was like one funny joke that I remember. I know there's probably more than one funny joke, but one that I remember yeah. is like the there's like two kids spraying each other with fertilizer like getting into a little bit of a fight and uh yeah. Billy Bob's character walks by and he goes, "Hey, cut it out. This shit's expensive." <laughs> like <laughs> not that they're spraying fertilizer on each other's skin, but just like it's expensive. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that. That's such a Billy Bob thing to say. Oh my god. But yeah, I like I love Billy Bob Thornton. Again, like every time we go through one of these from like we got to do an episode on him. He'd be fantastic. But he's one of those guys who's phenomenal. And yeah, he's a, he'd be a great uh, actor to look at. But yeah, no, this is really that time where it's like, oh, he was a dick and bad Santa. Let's cast him in everything. Yeah. Because he's hysterical,
1: you know? Which is like fair. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I hope he can do more. But anyways, how, exactly. how is Fast Food Nation? Because that's another one that was like on my short list and I just didn't get to it
0: so i got the dvd here um so i i didn't love it i thought Mm. it was all right um but there's a lot of good in it okay so it's a big cast you got patricia arquette you got bobby cannavale uh louis Guzman. however you say his name Louis,
1: louis guzman
0: louis guzman there we go i think Uh, ethan hawk ashley johnson greg kinnear wilmer uh valderrama chris christopherson uh avril lavigne paul dano uh Lou, Taylor, Pucci. There's a ton of people in this movie. and um, Just
1: everyone from, like, 2006 or something. Pretty much, right? (laughs) The cast of of 2006.
0: The cast of 2006. It kind of explains why Avril Lavigne is in this movie, because she cannot act. She is not a good actress. Um, But this movie is kind of... It all centers around, like, the fast food kind of, you know, nation. And this is based on a book called Fast Food Nation. Mm -hmm. And... It's just kind of tackling different uh, perspectives around the fast food stuff. So there's you got Greg Kinnear, who's like a like a vice president at a fast food chain, who's kind of realizing that there's there's like there's fucking shit in the meat, right? And it's unclean, and that's not right. There's um, immigrants from Mexico who are working in the factories. And then you got Wilmer Valderrama, who's one of those immigrants who's working there. He comes to America to work in the fast food chain. And yeah, so
1: not 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 getting sorry. Not a strong recommend, it sounds like from your your tone
0: from. Yeah, because there are interesting perspectives. And then the other one is this girl who works at a fast food who works at the fast food chain. And then later becomes part of like a kind of like a free the cows type movement type thing, um, which is led by Avril Levine.
1: <laughs> PETA, like, like a PETA kind of thing, but led by Avril.
0: Yeah, yeah no, Fast Food Nation has some really interesting scenes and some really good conversations in it. Um, Ethan Hawke is in it, but like he plays probably the most unnecessary character in the entire movie he is like ashley johnson i think that's the actress's name she works at a fast food place she's like a cashier there uh patricia arquette is her mom there's really no point in patricia arquette being in this movie i bet they were just doing boyhood so (laughs) (laughs) later is like let's get let's get patricia arquette and um you know Ethan Hawke in this for a scene or two. Um, I
1: imagine he was casting like a big, like a big pool of people, and then like his 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 friends who are in movies too are like, like Ethan Hawke just comes to him. He's like, I thought I was your friend. Like everyone's in this. You got Avril Lavigne. Like, come on, man, give me a part. I thought we were friends.
0: <laughs> he's like, I'll oh, write you a part. All right, it's fine. It's funny too because Eller 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 Coltrane. I think that's their name. Right. From Boyhood, they're they're playing Greg Kinnear's son at one point in this movie as well. Oh wow! So just in like a scene, it's like a blink and you'll miss it cameo, and I don't even think they have any lines. But that was That's one pretty where you awesome. See them, yeah, and you're like, oh shit, they must have been filming Boyhood, and and he was like, hey, you know what? Just be be in this movie. Greg Kinnear's gonna be in it. You're gonna have a good time. <laughs> That's um, so cool. Yeah, but it's, it's cool to see that. But Fast Food Nation, yeah, it's got some interesting scenes. It's got some good performances. But I just felt like, honestly, there was so much in this movie I just didn't really care about. Um, and Greg Kinnear's plot, I was actually really invested in. And it ends about halfway through the movie. So then, like, the next hour of the movie, I'm like, is he coming back? And he never does until, like, the very last scene. So that just kind of bugged me. And... Yeah, it's just it's kind of a choppy movie, but um hmm. not to say that there isn't any good in it. I think it sits at about a fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that's about fair.
1: Okay. Yeah. How about Where'd you go Bernadette? Because this is one that is like based on a like well loved book by a lot of people. I don't. Yep. neither of us have read it. Um the movie's I don't read like books,
0: so yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it says the English major. Um, but like the movie like, okay, so movie has a poor score on Rotten Tomato, but it actually, just as like a Linklater movie, is a really fun portrait of some eccentric people in a very unique situation. Yes. It's not perfect, but it is like super fun and heartwarming. And I would say like, if there's any flaws in it, it just kind of loses its focus at the end and becomes sloppy where the 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 front half of the movie was very tight and very engaging and interesting. And there's a, there's a turning point in it where you're just kind of like, okay, well like I know where it's going to go now and it's, it's not really wrapping up very cleanly.
0: Yeah. So the first shot of this movie shows her in Antarctica and you're like, okay, well I know where she went. So there's no real surprise yeah. there. Um, but no, you make a good point. So this movie is about an hour, 49 minutes, but that's like seven to eight minutes of credit so let's say it's an hour 40 just for the for just for the sake of conversation here yeah so first hour i actually really liked i thought the first hour was really really good yeah. um and i was very invested and i i cared and i was surprised um because i had heard it wasn't really a very good movie um i was I thoroughly it was, loving it like throughout yeah. like
1: from the, from the beginning to a certain point i was thoroughly loving it and then I was kind of like still with it, but in thinking about it, I'm kind of like, yeah, it, it, it lost its thread a little.
0: So you, so you actually agree with me now, which is, I think which so, is nice. because the more, the more I
1: think about it, it's like, yeah, the, the, I just carried over like my love of the characters from the first half yeah. into the second half just to see them through. And I like the performers, like the actors were all really awesome. Yeah. Um, but story wise, like on paper, it does lose its thread.
0: Yeah, just for the, just for the listeners, um, Greg and I and Greg's girlfriend, we all watched it together. And when it ended, Greg and Emma were like, oh, I, I really like that. And I was like, it was okay. And then they gave me shit for it. Uh, relentlessly gave me shit <laughs> we, for we it. We
1: bullied the hell out of him.
0: You really did. <laughs> It was funny. I remember being that you guys were like, you didn't like, and I was like, fine, okay. I it's a six out of ten, fine, because <laughs> I gave it like a five and a half out of ten stars. That's low or something though. Before. No, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's a fine movie. All right, five point five is
1: not that bad. I In fact, still, it's
0: higher than Rotten Tomatoes. So that's true.
1: I would still rewatch it like plenty of times, though. I think that's where what, what it comes down to is like what i liked the i liked it enough that like i i'll forgive its flaws i think yeah
0: i i really like the first hour i really really like the first hour right there's it, it's like almost like right on like the one hour mark where like bernadette actually disappears right from there it started to really go downhill from there and it just ended up kind of losing me and i feel like it just kind of I don't know, it just it just yeah, it became very sloppy, I felt. Mm-hmm. Um so this is how I felt about ranking it, was that I would say first hour was probably like a seven point seven out of ten. Like I really enjoyed it. I really liked it. It was uncomfortable, it was frustrating in the in the best way. Yeah. Um very much link later's kind of thing. The second half, I just, I, I was like, I know where this is going. Like, yeah. I know every, every step it's taking, which, to be honest, is not really common for a, for a Linklater movie. You know. It's true. Um, Even
1: though he de- but, tells like very true to life experiences, you're always like, what's next, though? Like, what? Life yeah. is so exciting. <laughs> exactly. He makes th- uh, things so exciting. So when,
0: it, when, one of his movies is predictable, it's very kind of much a letdown. That's true. So, so the second half of it I was like it's probably like a honestly it was probably like a 4 being generous it was probably like a 4 or 5 like to be really generous. So by the end of the movie I'm like that this last 40 minutes kind of wrecked it for me but I still liked it overall but you and emma did not like that response at all you you were very 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 adamantly i'm sorry we we
1: yelled and threw dishes at you matt
0: it doesn't pay for my hospital bills but anyway uh
1: I, i do get where you're coming from and i think yeah i i think it's just i the first half is still worth it to me is what it comes down to you know yeah
0: I think this is what people should do. I think they should watch the first hour.
1: And then leave leave it wondering, like, where did she go? Yeah.
0: That's what bugged me about this movie is that it's called Where'd You Go, Bernadette? I'm going to get into a little bit of a fucking rant here. I don't even care. It's called Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Okay? Why the fuck do you follow Bernadette when she disappears? Because you know where she went. It's not Where'd You Go, Bernadette. It's, oh, there you are. That's not... (laughs) It's not, she is literally it's no like, it, it's
1: known where she is at all points.
0: Yeah. And the movie I, fucking starts with her in Antarctica. So at the at the <laughs> first scene. The mystery is
1: gone. You are like, there's where she went. There she went. All right. How about this though? Because she was like a career architect, right? Well known, mm-hmm. respected. But yes. she disappeared from that career path when she had a kid. Yes. So the world, the, the architects of the world are wondering, where did you go? Oh, off. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I literally just pulled that out of my ass. So. I mean, you're not wrong. You're really that is, not. That wrong. is like a thing in the movie, but obviously, that's not what what they mean by it. You know, when she literally goes missing.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Hope I'm not screaming too loud. I don't want to burst this fucking microphone. But uh <laughs> but yes, I liked I liked where'd you go, Bernadette. I liked the I liked Kate Blanchett. I thought she was phenomenal in this movie, and she deserved the Golden Globe nomination that she got um i'm usually like i like billy Crutup, but i'm never really like oh my god billy Crudup is phenomenal you know like he never really mm. fully stands out maybe as much as i want him to but in this movie i really liked him and i really got it and i was like i get this guy
1: yeah um no he was good he had like some genuinely powerful moments and and was also yeah. like a de- deeply flawed character like like his yeah. the choices he makes are like you know awful but he he sells it as a believable person too you know yeah. so i, get his I, I appreciate enough. that yeah, exactly. exactly yeah it's not he's not a villain but he makes just like bad choices out of desperation
0: yeah and i mean like i can't really blame him because i mean like his wife is not really in the best state of mind
1: yeah for sure and and he can't communicate yeah. to her she won't she won't take it and so he he's desperate and yeah it 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 was just great all around. Like same with um, I forget the the girl who played the daughter.
0: Yeah, I think her name was Emma Norton, but I was just gonna say she was phenomenal. Oh my as well. god!
1: Right, it's so rare you get um a younger actor who can play such interesting layers there too. And like that, I that I buy she was raised by both parents in a, in an interesting way. You know, like there's in her her performance has a bit of both of them, and like her temperament and all, and all that is yeah. well done.
0: Emma Nelson, that's her name actually. Emma Nelson. Uh, just trophy to, to you Emma trophy Nelson. to you Emma Nelson great job um but yeah I know she was great in this yeah um
1: the movie oh, works I love Kristen despite Wig. its flaws
0: sorry say that again
1: the, the movie works despite its flaws and yeah Kristen Wiig as well
0: awesome Wigg as well I I think I think this I think the movie works despite its flaws for the first hour okay and that yeah the
1: first hour is flawless yeah <laughs> do you want this
0: this podcast to fall through and be canceled like what are you trying to do
1: i love this banter
0: i love this banter i know some people are like hey you guys you guys every time you disagree you guys are so polite to each other so i'm like okay fuck you greg here this we go the, Let's-
1: this is the movie that turns it intense yeah where'd you go
0: Bernadette yeah season
1: two is gonna be in the ring and I'm fighting for (laughs) Bernadette's heart
0: (laughs) (laughs) I will say Camp Blanchett like we were talking about her a while ago and I was like you know a lot of people always say that she's really hot and I don't I don't know if I totally get it now I'm like what the fuck was I talking about she's she's a
1: goddess gorgeous she's a goddess she's legit a goddess in Thor Ragnarok in every way oh yeah And, and in this too she's just like the coolest the coolest lady I, yeah, the, I, I, I love me some eccentric pointy women.
0: Oh, yeah. The um, the Bob haircut awesome. really works for me. Really works for me.
1: The best haircut.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal.
1: But yeah, I think that's all we got. Uh, as far as we can go with Bernadette without breaking up, Matt. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah let's just say that let's just say that i'm right and you're weird so let's just say that that with our opinions no i'm kidding i get your i get your opinions though on it i respect them um you know like i said you're wrong but i'm i'm willing to agree no i'm kidding Uh,
1: we agree yeah like one of us is wrong yeah
0: one of us is wrong and his name rhymes with (laughs) a um so anyway (laughs) But yeah, no it it, it it's, it's it's a flawed movie with great elements in it. Let's say that. We can both if, agree.
1: If, let's say this, if loving Bernadette is wrong, I don't want to be right.. <laughs> <Jesus Christ>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man this is what
0: happens when when listeners say like you guys are so polite to each other (laughs) all right well do you want us to get into an argument we're gonna lean in now we're gonna lean into it yeah we're gonna start hurling insults at each other this
1: is going to become a wrestling uh (laughs) series (laughs) oh man gorgeous greg and Matts of wrestling who wouldn't have fight jack black or kate blanchett yeah Oh, I don't boy. know. Cate Blanchett with a uh, goddess powers from Thor Ragnarok. I think she might win to be completely yeah. honest.
0: Yeah. Speaking of Jack Black, let's move into School of Rock and Bernie. Unless you want to argue about Bernadette some more. Which I'm very willing to do.
1: <laughs> I, th- I think we've settled it. We I think we've one. settled it. Let's <laughs> move <on. laughs> No, but yeah, Jack Black. I think we can both agree. He can bring us together <laughs> from these deep, deep faults.
0: Yeah, you're going to fucking argue with me on
1: this one? (laughs) No, he is a god. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Come on, bring us together, Jack Black. Oh. JB, please. To our Lord and Savior, JB, I pray to heal the wounds of this relationship. Bring us together with your music. Amen. Exactly. 100%. future greg here from the editing booth i'm gonna cut the episode right here and pick back up with part two will jack black's performance in school of rock be able to heal greg and matt's friendship find out on the next episode of the greg and matt movie chat and until then Check us out at hallconmedia.com for links to all of our social media, as well as links to everywhere this podcast is available. Spotify, iTunes, Pocket Casts, you name it, it's probably on that podcast service. Also, follow us on Instagram at GregAndMattMovieChat for regular updates, promo images, and get involved in the chat. Until next time, thanks for listening.